All right. It would be dishonest for me if I didn't at least admit to you right out front that I had quite a difficult time preparing for this message. Right? So in the, in the list, the hierarchical list of unnerving things for Matt to do, um, number one is teach children. Right? I can handle hundreds, thousands of you, really. I don't mind. Do not put me in front of third graders. I'm terrified of children. Like they, they make, I break out in a cold sweat. So that's at the top of the list. Just under that is teaching moms on Mother's Day. Because I know, because I know so much about being a mother and um, about momming, I, uh, I find myself in pretty good territory here. No, I, it was a challenge. I, we are right now at the conclusion of our series in Daniel, and so th- we should be in Daniel 12 this morning, but I didn't feel like that honored moms the way that I would desire it today. So we're going to take a bit of a detour uh, with that. And as we started to think about, as I started to think about Mother's Day today, I, I couldn't help but think about my own mom. My mom, is an, she's a wonderful lady. She's amazing. I won't get to see her today. She is a place where it's sunny and warm. Actually, she lives in Lynchburg, Virginia. And, uh, you know, it's not 40 degrees and raining there. But uh, so she's there. She's probably happy, though. I mean, I promise. Um, but I thought about my, my own mom. My mom is a hard, hard worker. I think she gets it from that German heritage of hers. Um, she worked hard alongside my dad to raise me and my two sisters, Like many of you, my mom worked a full-time job outside of the home my entire life, my whole life. She'd wake up very early in the morning to grab her cup of coffee and read her Bible at our kitchen table. She'd make sure that we were all up and awake and ready for school, and then she was often out the door before the bus arrived at our house. And then she'd come bouncing with varying degrees of spring in her step. She'd come bouncing through the doors later that evening around 5, 5.30, as she had a commute of almost an hour each way to her job. Um, and then she'd work hard to get dinner on the table, to care for us, to make sure that we had done our homework and our chores, and she supported us. She made sure that me and my sisters were able to be involved in things that we enjoyed, and she supported those efforts. She made sure that me and my sisters were present and active in our church, she made sure that we sat under the faithful teaching of God's word because she, she had seen what a blessing it brought in her life and she had committed herself to the Lord to provide that. She had always, always put her family's needs before her own and she still does to this day. Sometimes we have to remind her it's okay to buy herself something. You know, Sit down, mom. You have grown children. They can clean up after you. It's fine. Take a rest. You've earned it. You've paid your dues. She, she went without the finer things in this life in order to make sure that her children felt loved and supported. My mom is a lot like many of your moms. I started to think about words that describe her and the type of love and devotion that she showed us and words like selfless came to mind. Words like sacrifice came to mind. Empowering. Your mom is your first cheerleader, your first coach, the first one to come alongside and tell you what you can do and what you should do. Endless. Endless. Because a mother's love knows no beginning and no end. And whether I stumbled into her room at three in the morning to tell her about a car accident I had had or whether I woke her up in the middle of the night as a kid throwing up, she was constantly there ready to receive me. 
A mother's love is emptying. I, I, I thought of that as I considered my mom, that she, very, in a very real way, moms like my mom, moms like my wife, pour themselves out for their children, empty themselves of themselves, sometimes to their own detriment. They need a spa day. They need a, uh, they need a, a day in the coffee shop to just decompress and think. They need something because they're so focused on giving of themselves. My mother's love was fierce, fierce. My mom would not allow for her children to be taken advantage of. My mom would not allow for her kids to be dishonored in ways that were inappropriate. If your mom is anything like mine, then you'll know that there's probably a lot more we could say this morning, a lot more I wanted to say about the kind of love that they've shown us, but in honor and in that theme of selfless and sacrificial emptying love, I'd like to turn to a familiar passage in the Gospel of John, the 10th chapter, and talk about somebody else who loved us in similar ways. Somebody else who selflessly and sacrificially and eternally loves us. Another who laid down his life and his own desires for ours. Another who provides us strength and comfort and grace each day. So with the remaining two and a half hours of time that I have, I, I would like us to turn to the 10th chapter of the Gospel of John and focus on Jesus' statements about him being the good shepherd. I'm going to read verse 7 through 18. We're focusing in a lot on 7 through 11. And honestly, it just depends on how this goes because we might not get through all of it. I don't know. But here we go. John chapter 10, starting in verse 7. So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he's a hired hand and he cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. And just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. Amen. All right. A couple of uh, statements that Jesus makes this morning hopefully provide some, some clarity on these thoughts and maybe we'll see some application for our lives here this morning. I think we will. The first thing that I want us to look at this morning is Jesus identifies himself as the door. He says, I am the door. Some of your versions might say the gate I am the opening. It's an interesting way of describing himself. Don't you think? The door, the gate, the gate to what? Well, the doorway, the gate to the sheepfold, the pen, the large pen that would house the flock by night. And in fact, ultimate, ultimate, oftentimes the, the sheepfold was large enough that three to four, sometimes five flocks of sheep were in the same pen each evening. And it was a place of safety, it was a place of security, it was a place of rest, a, a place where the sheep could quiet themselves after a long day or possibly multiple days of journeying and finding pasture, and they could simply rest in the security with full bellies of the shepherd's care. 
The sheepfold would have been either a circular or a, a square enclosure, a high stone wall or a fence maybe around it, and it would have one opening. Because sheep aren't the smartest things in the world. They'd wander out if you had multiple back doors. They had one opening, and the sheep would be herded in, led in, and the shepherd would take his place in the opening and lay down there in that break in the wall. He he found himself in a position to protect the sheep, to protect them from themselves, because they're not the smartest animals in the barnyard. They could have wandered out and nuzzled something really important, right? They would have found themselves vulnerable to attack had they wandered out of the sheepfold. So he laid himself down protecting them from themselves and also protecting them from anybody who would come in. Because as the New American Commentary pointed out, unless an intruder was willing to confront the watchman, the shepherd, the only way into the sheepfold was to climb over the wall. And that's exactly what Jesus said in verse 1. He who doesn't enter the sheepfold by the door but climbs in another way, that man is a thief and a robber. The one who wouldn't come in, if you don't want to tangle with the shepherd, you're going to have to find another way into the sheepfold. And Jesus says, I'm the door. I'm the one who who occupies that position of security for you. I'm the one who will put myself in a position to protect you from yourself and your foolish wandering and also to protect you from the assaults of an enemy that would seek your harm. And Jesus said, that's me. That's my role. And then he says, there are others who have come. Other people pretending to be shepherds, pretending to be um, caregivers. There are others who have come maybe even in the name of God. And in the history of, of God's redemptive story, there were others who came in the name of God claiming to be the Messiah. They were claiming that they were sent from God to care for God's people. And they pursued influence and leadership of God's people, but they were not the Messiah. They were robbers. They were thieves, says Jesus. They weren't me. There have been false prophets, false teachers, false messiahs who've been coming since the beginning. And Jesus says to his disciples and to us who are reading now later and to the Pharisees in a rebuke, he says, listen, I am the genuine article. I am the one who can protect you from yourself and I'm the one who will protect you from attack. Those others who have come in my name, they were not the door. They were not the good shepherd. They were thieves and robbers. They sought your destruction and your harm. They did not know the sheep. They did not love the sheep. We're told, right, that if a hired hand, and if it's not the shepherd, but just an employee of the shepherd, who doesn't love the sheep, if all of a sudden a wolf comes, if all of a sudden an intruder comes to attack the sheep, the hired hand is looking at the situation and saying, this is way above my pay grade. Let's be honest, right? If I happen to work, I'm, I'm, I, my first job was at um, McDonald's. Don't laugh at me, Dave. That's not funny. <laughs> Come on. Those of you who work in, I'm not, let me say this. This, has, this is not part of my notes. I have been in some very stressful, tense situations in ministry through the years. Nothing is as stressful as working in fast food, being dependent on 16-year-old kids to get their orders right right? There is absolutely nothing that stressful than that. But that's neither here nor there. All right. Now, 
When I started at McDonald's in the year 1994, I made $4.25 an hour because they had just raised minimum wage. Now, if I was standing behind the counter and some guy walks in and pulled out a gun and said, hey, give me your money. At $4.25 an hour, I'd have said, come on back here. Here you go. Right? I, I have nothing invested in this, right? If I am the owner of the franchise and this is my livelihood and somebody tries to lay siege to my, this is, this is getting really out of hand, like lay siege to my McDonald's, I'll probably put up a little bit of a fight. But I, this guy, the guy who runs away has nothing invested in the sheep. The thieves, the robbers, those people who are false prophets, false teachers, false messiahs, messiahs they don't love the sheep. And so when danger comes, they run and they leave the sheep to care for themselves in a vulnerable position. They don't have the life of the sheep in mind. And this is not an isolated incident. From the very beginning of the story of human history, God's people have been a target of attack from God's enemy. He's been working from the outset to usurp the authority of God and to turn God's creation against him. And the enemy has come to us in many forms, in false teachers and false prophets, in tyrants and dictators on the global stage. But they're all the same. They're thieves and they're robbers. They usurp the authority that God has and they turn it against him in an effort to thwart what God is doing in the world. And while they appear for a moment as a legitimate shepherd, their identity is soon revealed. But something happens. See, the Holy Spirit in the hearts and lives of God's people strengthens them to resist the false teachers. Those who don't know God are the ones who are most susceptible because they're not secure in him. But Jesus says, look, they've come, but my sheep didn't listen to them because there's something in us. When we hear the false teachers, the false prophets of our day, when they start to speak and the message doesn't sound like gospel, something in us begins to raise the red flag. The sheep didn't listen to them. What's Jesus saying here? He says, look, I'm the real door. I'm the one who is, I will put myself in a position of protection to protect you from yourselves and from attack. And then he also says in verses nine and 10, I'm the way to life. I am the way to life. He says, I'm the door again. Enter by me and be saved. I, if you will enter by me, he will be saved and come in and out and find pasture. In the immediate context, if a sheep will go in through the door, he will find safety and security and the shepherd will take him out to find pasture during the day. He'll be saved from the attack of enemies. He will, his life will be preserved and nurtured. In the spiritual sense, if we would come to God through Christ, we can be saved. Jesus said as much, Right? I am the way and the truth and the life, and no one comes to the Father but by me, he said. There's an, there's an exclusivity to the gospel that is politically offensive to some and morally offensive to some, but biblically accurate that the only way to God is through faith in Jesus Christ, his Son, and I'd be very unloving if I didn't say that explicitly this morning. There's only one door to the sheepfold. There's only one entrance into the family of God. 
We come from all different places, but if we're gonna find ourselves wrapped up in the loving arms of the good shepherd, it's because we've all come in through the same door, through the body and the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. There's one way. And, G- and Jesus says to the Pharisees, the disciples, to us who are reading, if you'll come in through the sheepfold through me, if, you'll, if you won't seek other ways to get in, if you will stop trying to earn your way in, if you'll stop trying to, to be sneaky and climb over in the back, if you'll just come in the right way, come in through me, you will be saved. Your life will be preserved. You'll be saved from punishment for your sin. You'll be saved from separation from God. You will be saved and find eternal life. And then he says this, the thief comes to steal, to kill, and destroy, but I have come that they might have life and have it abundantly. I just want to offer a few thoughts on this, and I might get hung up here for a while, and this might, this might just take us to the end. I don't know. You know, I normally have these things planned out. Today, I'm throwing caution to the wind. I, and, and part of it is because I'm just growing. I'm, in my old age, I'm just getting more mellow. And another part is that I'm tired. I have a sick kid at home who's throwing up all night, and my family's scattered all over the place this morning. So you know what? I don't even know what's going on. That's okay. Here we go. Couple thoughts on the thief who comes to kill, steal, and destroy. The one who arrives under the cover of darkness, the one who climbs over the wall instead of just entering through the door, that man's a thief. He's not a shepherd. He's not to be trusted. He's not to be followed. His arrival, the enemy's arrival, the thief's arrival will not bring good fruit to the lives of the sheep. It will lead them into harm, to their destruction. Instead, that that thief, that false teacher, that false prophet, that false messiah, that enemy of God has come to take from the sheep and not serve the sheep. Isn't that how Paul describes the false teachers in the churches in the New Testament? They're fleecing the flock, they're taking from the people, they're using them for their own glory and gain. That's not the good shepherd. That person, if that is the testimony, if that is the character and lifestyle of a shepherd, he is to be avoided and turned away from. The enemy of God, the thief, in other places he's taught, we, we find him as a a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. This enemy of God has come to steal, steal, kill, and destroy God's people, the sheep, the flock. But Jesus says, listen, I have come though. I have not come to take from you. And I have not come to beat you down. I have not come to harm you or to rob from you joy and life. I have not come to keep you from thriving and from pasture. I have not come to disrupt you from security and comfort. Instead, I have come to give you life and life abundantly. And I would argue this morning that if you don't know life in Jesus, you really don't know life at all. That Jesus says the caliber, the quality of life that I bring is different than anything else you'll ever know. And I've come to give it to you freely and abundantly. And while the thief comes to bring destruction and harm, Jesus has come that they might have life. And more than just endure. You ever talk to those people like me um, in like April in the Northeast? You want to talk about life? Don't, don't, you want to talk to me about life? Talk to me in July after I've come back from the Adirondacks, right? Don't, don't find me in April. 
Because you'd be like, how are you going? Oh, I'm just enduring. I'm, I've, I've been known to quote that Billy Joel song, sometimes just surviving is a noble fight, right? Especially in April, because it gets really rough, right? Some people, some people, their life is just a matter of slogging through each day. Some of you in this room right now, if I would be so bold, I imagine that some of you are in that situation today. That your life is not joyful, it's not abundant, it's not rich and full. Today was just a grind to get out of bed, to put one foot in front of the next. Jesus says, that's not the life that I have for you. What I offer you is something better. I'm not going to take from you, I'm not going to steal from you, I'm not going to withhold from you any good thing. I'm going to pour out upon you every good blessing, every gift in the heavenly places. I want you to have abundant life, a life that is full. That word abundant is translated by one, one commentator, that which goes way beyond necessity. Way beyond necessity. A life that is filled up and overflowing. You know those people, right? Sometimes they rub me the wrong way. Those people always happy, always smiling. They got so much of Jesus, he's just pouring out of them everywhere they go, right? The abundant life that God has for us is an overflowing life. More than is necessary. He gives you a life that is greater than is necessary. Filled up. More than we could ask for. Guys, that is the life of a follower of Christ. Not necessarily the things that matter most to our neighbors. You might not be filled up in ways that the Joneses think are pretty important, right? You you might not be filled up with bigger houses and shiny cars and elite colleges for the kids. But in the things that really bring life to our souls, those things he'll give you abundantly. The freedom of forgiveness. The joy of knowing Christ with a clear conscience. The comfort of the Holy Spirit's confirmation on our lives that we are sealed in him, regardless of our circumstances. The peace of God's faithfulness and his provision to meet all of our needs. The wonder of a God who would go so far as to send his only son that we might know him and be reconciled to him. Give us grace beyond our weakness, our failures, and our guilt. That's that's the abundant life. A life on mission, a life of purpose, a life poured out and emptied. For the sake of the gospel, that's abundant living. And Jesus said, I've come to give it to you. It makes me ask this really serious question. Is that the life you're experiencing? Are, are, you, are you enjoying today that kind of abundant life? I'm not just talking about material gain. Material gain isn't secure And it certainly doesn't satisfy our hearts and it's gonna rust and be destroyed. I'm not talking about finances. I'm not talking about estates. I'm not talking about big houses and cars, but at a deeper level, are you experiencing the peace and joy of being at rest in the sheepfold of God? Have you walked in through the door of the death and burial of Jesus Christ? Have you come to him for saving faith? Have you seen Jesus for who he is? The son of God, the Messiah, the promised king of the Jews who died on the cross as your substitute for your sins was buried and rose again the third day according to the scriptures, defeating sin, death, hell, and the grave and offering to you that kind of eternal and abundant life. Are you rested in the sheepfold this morning through the door? And if you are, I'm speaking to myself here a little bit, 
then let's show it a little bit. Then let's ask God's help to be conduits and stewards of his grace. Let's be salt and light. Let's be ambassadors for Christ. Let's be witnesses here wherever we find ourselves with the joy that we found. But maybe you're here this morning and you'd say, I'm not experiencing that life. Maybe, maybe like many of us, you started from a place of faithfulness in the Lord. You had, your mom, like my mom, made sure that you knew the basic understandings of the, the Christian faith. She was your first Bible school teacher. She was your first preacher, right? Maybe, maybe you grew up with that foundation, but you've hit a season in your life where you're searching for the abundant life, but you're doing it in different ways. And what you're finding is that as you pursue all these dead-end roads, they all are really leading you to the same place. You know in your heart, because you have this foundation of faith, that you need to be walking with Jesus and finding joyful life in him, and yet you're trying to find it through everything else. And maybe you're wondering this morning why you're just empty, why you're exhausted, why you feel lost today. My friend, if you know Jesus and you've been wandering, turn around. Walk right back into the sheepfold, right through the door. If you're here today and you've never trusted Christ, and you're trying to find life, meaning and value and purpose, you're trying to satisfy that nagging hole in your heart that keeps asking you the question, am I good enough? Do I have what it takes? Is this enough? What is this all about? What does it mean? What's my life? Where am I going? If you're trying to figure all of that out through your career, through seeking from this, this world that kind of satisfaction, my guess is you're empty today. And Jesus has, an, has a word for you. He would say to you, come unto me all who are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. And where will you find that rest? You'll find it in the sheepfold, safely and securely wrapped in the care of the shepherd who laid his life down to protect you. A number of years ago, I heard a story about an elderly gentleman in our congregation. And his daughter was telling me this story. And I won't, I won't say names because I don't want to embarrass anybody. But his daughter said that in her teenage years, she had a wild and rebellious streak. But her daddy loved her in Jesus. And one night, they had had a big uh, falling out, and she stormed up to her room, and she swore that she was going to sneak out and leave. She was done. She was gone. He insisted that she stay. Late in the evening, she snuck out of her room trying to make good on that promise. But as she turned the corner to come down the stairs, he was laying asleep at the bottom of the stairs on the floor to protect her from herself, to protect her from anything out there. And with tears in her eyes, 20, 30 years later, she told that story of a father's faithfulness to lay down his life, to be the protector, to be the doorway, to protect her from herself and from anything that was out there. My friends, how do you find that kind of comfort, that kind of peace, that kind of security? There is only one way. It's through Jesus Christ. Have you trusted him in faith? 
Have you turned your life to him? Have you given up on your pursuits trying to satisfy your heart with the things of this world and simply come to him for faith? Jesus also says, he's going to close up here, he says, I'm the good shepherd. I'm not a hired hand, I'm not a thief. And you know that because when it gets really tough, I don't run away, I stay. I throw myself in harm's way. I lay my life down for the sheep. And ultimately, we know that Jesus acted as our substitute and laid his life down for his friends, offering his body to be the sacrifice for our sin. He bled and died on Calvary's cross. He was buried and he rose again the third day, that first Easter Sunday morning. And his payment for our guilt and our transgressions, the covering of our sins is our comfort today. That God poured out his anger and his wrath, not on us, but on Jesus, so that we might possess in our lives the righteousness of Christ. Jesus says, I know the sheep, I know their names, and they know me. He's not a slave driver. He's not some disconnected taskmaster. He's not some bad manager at work who doesn't really care about you. He knows their names. There's a story told of a, of a teacher who went to Israel to teach and he, he watched in the morning some of these Bedouin uh, shepherds leaving the sheepfold. There were four flocks in the sheepfold and each shepherd sang his own song and called to the sheep by name and they followed him. They heard the sound of the shepherd's song and they heard his voice call their name and they followed him because they were familiar. Wow. I don't know about you, but I want to know the shepherd that well that when he sings over me, I come running. And when he calls my name, I'm right there. Jesus says, I'm the good shepherd. So what? What does all that mean today? Well, if you're a Christian here this morning, let's just rejoice for a moment that we have a shepherd who's faithful, who loves us like that, selflessly and sacrificially, who protects us against ourselves and from anything out there that might come and get us. And maybe you're a Christian and you've been seeking to find things in this life to satisfy your heart, but what you really need to hear this morning is what you already know deep in the core of your existence, that there is nothing in this world that will satisfy your heart like knowing and following Jesus. And today, maybe you just need to turn around. When I was a kid, we used to call it getting right with God. Maybe today you just need to get right with God. In the quietness of your heart, you need to turn to him and say, look, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm wandering and I know what I'm supposed to do. I'm coming back. Maybe you're here and you're not a Christian, and I would ask you, why not? Why not? Turn to Jesus today. Find faith. Find comfort. Find peace. Find forgiveness. Find security. Not in the things of this world, but by walking right through the door. Jesus says, if, if you come unto me, I'll give you rest. I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but by me. Have you trusted him in faith? Have you turned your life over to him? Maybe today's your day. In the spirit of, of honoring our moms today, we look to the good shepherd. And so many of our moms have given us great examples of what that kind of selfless and sacrificial love looks like. My friends, let's rejoice in what God has done and provided for us. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for the word of God which, which does its work. Thank you for the lessons we learn, for the principles we teach, but thank you most importantly that you reveal your identity in the scriptures. 
You are coming to us. You are pursuing us. You are showing us who you are and what you're like. And today we can see clearly that you are a faithful, loving shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep, that you are the only door into the sheepfold, and that you bid any who will to come. What a God we serve. Lord, I pray for those in the congregation today who know and trust you. God, whose abundant lives aren't feeling so abundant today. Restore their joy. Not, not, don't restore their joy by causing them to look at all the things in this world. Restore their joy by, by driving them back to the gospel message. That they were loved by you, that they're safe and secure in you, that you have pledged your life to protect them and give them abundant life and restore their joy, God. Lord, I pray for those here who have a foundation of faith but have wandered in recent months and years. Lord, who feel the weight of your conviction even now. Lord, I pray that you would graciously draw them back. Remind them there's still a place for them at the table. Help them to repent and to turn back to you. And for those who've never trusted you, may today be their day of salvation. In the quietness of their hearts, might you bring their faith alive. May they see you for who you are, the loving shepherd who laid down his life for his sheep. God, I pray that you'd bring salvation to hearts today. And as we continue to sing and to worship, visit us with your presence. Stir our hearts to love and to good deeds. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.